Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of A Little More Free and part two of our conversation with Diane Goff, in which she shares stories from her Kundalini Rising experience. is emblazoned on my mind. <laughs> 97, my birthday want to hear about yours <laughs> well I didn't know what was happening to me I didn't know from kundalini and I had to study to figure out but you'd been doing all this shamanic work yes yes I had been doing shamanic work so and but and you'd been doing yoga I mean you took yeah. me to yoga when I was yeah in high school yona shamar yoga shamanic work menopause extreme stress these are all things that can cause Kundalini to start to rise. Um, and was so, the holotropic breath work like before or after? It was after. It was okay. the thing that calmed me down finally. And okay. so the did you? So, but you didn't know what you didn't know about Kundalini or what it was no. at all. No. Oh my gosh! It just happened. Like okay, so so lay the. All you right. were already in menopause at that point? Oh, yeah. I was deep in menopause. Okay. Um, Daddy had died. Mama was gone, essentially. Well, she wasn't gone. Her mind was Her gone. mind was, was going. Um, and that's we, when she was living with us? Or no? Well, at that time, she was still in her house, and I would okay. go come and go, and my sister would come and go. And That's right. That's right. And you were a teenager. <laughs> So you were pretty gone, <laughs> yeah. but um, so I decided my sister and I would, would take turns taking care of mama. She would either go to Georgia to be with my sister. Yeah, she would always go to Georgia. I don't think my sister ever stayed up here and stay for six weeks. And then I would bring her back for six weeks. And so it was extremely stressful to watch this person who had been like the cornerstone. My parents had been like the cornerstone of my life not even know who I was. I mean, that, that was so impactful. It's like I lost part of myself, you know? Because you grew up in Blacksburg and your parents lived here. Yes, right. So your whole adult life, most of it was spent right. with them yes, exactly. nearby. And mom and I were particularly close. Mm -hmm. um, she once called me her soulmate. Of course, I think you have many soulmates over, uh, over your lifetime, but... Um, so anyway, that was really hard. So I was kind of opened by all these things. And uh, so I decided I wanted, and why I chose this, I have no idea. It was meant to be, I guess. I decided to go to a workshop. When, when mama was with Bev, I decided to go to a workshop at Virginia Beach um, on developing your psychic abilities. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect thing to do when you're in the middle of stress, extreme right? stress. <laughs> But I thought I would eat a lot of seafood, listen to some inspirational people, walk on the beach, take beach pictures. I was doing a lot of photography. You were going for a little R&R. &R. I was going for R&R. &R. Oh, boy. I gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. 
this was through the Edgar Casey Foundation. Yes, and Katie, Katie and I have been there together. Um, have I been there? I feel like I went once. Yeah, I, I think young. we went. Yeah, yeah, when you were young. Yeah, and Edgar Casey was one of the people you got really into after. Yes. Breaking with Jesus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Although he was a big Jesus person. Yeah, but, that's true. He really but, was. Um, yeah, Edgar Casey, who gave me. Miriam and Del Moody were in their 60s and they were in the Peace Corps, which in itself is amazing. <laughs> but they get, we became real good, close friends with them. And as I was leaving, they gave me a book and said, we think you'd like this. It was, it was There is a River. And uh, when I got back home, Richard stopped with his parents in St. Louis and I came home. I started reading a book that night. I guess I was jet lagged and my timing was off and I couldn't put it down. I read all night mm -hmm. and I was, it was like coming home. It was like reincarnation. It was like, okay, I know this shit is true for me. And this was Edgar Casey's main book. Is that what that was? I think there is a river is, is the story of his life written okay. by somebody else. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those knowings that, yeah, this mm -hmm. is, this is, this is my teacher right now. So, and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know who Edgar Casey is, mm. he was a famous one of the most famous and earliest psychics called the Sleeping Prophet, who would go into a trance and be able to do a lot of medical readings and life purpose readings and all that stuff. So look him up. Yeah, he was he's very impactful. Yeah, in many lives, not just mine. Um, so I was going down to where he had his place. He'd been dead since 1945, and um. So I was like luxurating and being alone, not having anybody to take care of, not having anything to think about. Um, and I was staying in a high rise uh, hotel and I went up to, uh, I went up to uh, the, the meeting at night that, every, that tells you what you're gonna do and gives you the schedule and all that. And I was, um, sitting there the beautiful music was coming through the speakers and there were i was early there weren't many people and i heard somebody laughing and i turned around and there's this big burly man and i don't like big burly men they're like no thank you he looked like he was belonged on a you know a, a punch you out what are those lifters and all that Oh, like, like in a fight club as big as his head you know like yeah yeah okay bodybuilders yeah all that kind of stuff thing. yeah and um he had reddish hair tied back in a ponytail and he was kneeling down talking to some people and they were all laughing so i guess he was joking with them and then he turned around and looked at me and he was like and now it was so strange i turned around and looked behind me thinking he's seen somebody he knows behind me and um, he was looking at me. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> get away from me. And, um, so um, I was just pissed that somebody had intruded on my, you know, I was feeling so great. And um, so uh, then everybody sat down, a lot of other people came in and they told us what we would be doing for the next week. And um, then they said, you can join a a sharing group if you want and you'll meet at breakfast and lunch and you'll share your experiences with each other and that'll make the thing deeper and I thought okay that's good so they were sending around a sheet and I signed up and then if you signed up under a certain color you had to go to this room so I went to this room and I thought oh god there's no men in my group thank god 
And then the woman went up to the board and erased somebody's name and put the name Tom in it. And I turned around and look, and it was that guy. And he was, his name said Tom, and he was coming into this group. And I looked like, oh God. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to deal with this energy. So anyway, I don't, I can't remember, I've written about this, but um, what happened next? Is this too much detail? No, no, tell it, tell okay. it. Okay. Tell it. So he was in my sharing group. So the next morning we, we were, uh, had breakfast. All of us, there were about six other women, Tom and myself. It was mostly women at these workshops. And uh, I found out that he was funny. He had a real self-deprecating sense of humor. He didn't speak good English. He used like streetwise English. He was an um, uh, an engineer for the sewage system of Philadelphia. Uh, and he, you know, he made a lot of jokes about himself. Uh, and he ate like a, you know, he was just shoveling the food, terrible table manners into his mouth and wiping his, you know, like, ew. <laughs> but, but I Did thought, you do that on the job? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I, but he was funny and he seemed like a nice person. So I thought, okay, this is a great way to not, a great lesson to not judge a book by its cover. Mm. So as we went to pay, he and I were the last people. And he said, uh, you want to ride up to the conference center? He, he talked kind of like, you want to ride up to the conference center? He had this deep kind of growly voice. And at first I said, no, that's okay. I have my own car. And then it's like, all right. So then I thought, well, I guess I could ride with him and save some gas. So we rode up and he was funny and we were laughing the whole way. And I was like, this guy's kind of cool. You know, this is, he's okay. This is a good lesson for me. So um, we went in and sat down beside each other. And uh, uh, the woman was talking about uh, that she worked with the police. And you know, this woman, this things happen when this woman does a conference, that guy that, that was in, Sedona, that's when he came open in her conference. You know who I'm talking about? You worked with him. I worked in the past? With with this guy in Sedona. Carol Ann Lieros and Don Airy. Yes, it was Carol Ann Lieros was a famous psychic, clairvoyant, huh? et cetera. And she taught about psychic. She was your teacher? She was my teacher. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Working with her to find people with the police. Oh, but, uh, okay. So he worked with her and they found missing people and stuff. Wow. Tom, this Tom, Tom. Yeah. Worked with Carol. After, after, this was over. after all this. Yeah. So anyway, we wow. sat down beside each other and she was talking about working with the police, not anything that would cause you to start shaking or something. And all of a sudden I started shaking. And it felt like, I even turned and looked under my seat. It felt like there were electrical wires under my chair and it was coming up from my pelvis and just running up to the top of my head, mm. like pulsing, like over and over again. And I thought, God, and I felt nauseous. And I thought it must've been something I ate. And I looked under to see, and I, was, I started to shake. I started to sweat and I, I was like, what is going on? And then I looked over at Tom and he was gripping his thighs with his hands and he was shaking and he was sweating. And, and I was like, holy shit, what's going on? What? And so we looked around, we, I leaned over to him. I said, are you okay? And he said, I don't know. Are you, 
<laughs> so we looked around the room and nobody else was shaking. <laughs> so, so then you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't have written with him. Right, exactly. <laughs> so then we had a break. So he and I just separated as quickly as possible. He ran off to help somebody move some chairs. And I went up the, the stairs to the, um, there was a chapel in the, on the top floor where you could look out over the ocean. And I just paced around. I was still shaking and I was doing deep breathing and gradually, gradually, gradually I calmed down. So came back in and we were breaking the groups. The chairs had been moved. I got as far away from Tom as I could. And I worked with this lovely woman that I, you know, she and I went to dinner several times during the conference. Um, she was real well to do and uh, she looked perfectly healthy. Like she was a beautiful small woman with dark eyes, dark hair, beautifully dressed, beautiful jewelry. Um, and we were supposed to sit opposite each other and Carol led us through uh, a process to let go of all outside things and go in. And then we would open our eyes and look at the person and see if we saw any variations in color or texture or whatever. So she looked so healthy. I thought, well, you know, nothing's going to happen. But when I looked at her, I saw this gray kind of like water and it was running down her back and circling her waist. And um, so then, and she was doing the same to me. So I think I was the first to tell her and I told her and she said, well, that's interesting. I can't remember exactly what I saw. I wrote it down, but, and exactly where I'd seen the grayness, she had issues, health issues mm -hmm. um, around her waist and down her back and everything. And then she saw in me, she, she said, you're having deep family problems. I can just tell, you know, she couldn't, she didn't get anything bodily, but she got a, a, a hit that I was mm -hmm. having uh, deep family problems. So then we went on to another person and then we did, um, we tried to see somebody's environment where they lived. And so I was doing pretty good. I was working with some guy and saw some things that were good hits. And then I saw this really uh, detailed apartment and there was a coffee table with an ornamental border. I can remember and all these colors and things. And he said, now nah, you're way off. I don't, you know, I, I don't have, don't have, know anybody that lives in a place like that. So I thought, okay. So, um, so we went back for lunch and I sat far away from Tom. He was down there regaling and making people laugh. And, and I started telling about this place I had seen with the ornamental border. Oh, you mean you're in your shared group? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he said, I can't believe it. He said, you just detailed my girlfriend's uh, apartment right down to the ornamental border on the coffee table. And I was, who who said that? Some oh, other guy in your group? Uh, Tom. No, Tom. Tom. Oh, I thought he was away from you on the other no, side. No, this was when we came back to our sharing group. Oh, 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 okay. We had lunch and we were supposed to share what we had, what had gone on. Oh, okay. So I'm like, oh, holy shit. I can't get away from this guy. So anyway, um, we go back and I forget what we did that evening I have it written down in what I wrote but I mean in the afternoon but we got out at night and uh, I 
I had brought long john so I could walk back on the beach um, instead of driving down with my car. So I went in the bathroom and I changed and I came out and every most everybody was gone, but there was Tom. <laughs> and he was his car was by the exit, so I would have to walk by him. And he was leaning against the car hood. And he looked terrible as I got close to him. He looked shaky and grayish and just horrible. And uh, I said, Tom, how are you doing? And he said, not good, not good. I said, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> and he said, I feel like there's a pillar running from my hips up to the top of my head and it's killing my head. And he was holding his head. And uh, the word pillar, I, I knew I had read some spiritual thing about a pillar. You know, there's a seven pillars or something like that. Yeah. So I thought, okay, maybe this is something spiritual happening. And so um, I said, well, you know, can I get you something? Or, and he said, no, no, I can't do anything. And I said, well, how are you going to get back to the hotel? He said, I don't know. I can't drive in this condition. And he was moving around and acting like he was in pain. <laughs> Writhing so, in pain. <laughs> so I said, give me your keys. And I, all throughout this experience with him, things would just come out of my mouth that my normal self would have gone, just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know. I said, give me your keys. I'll drive you home, drive you back. So I drove him back. So of course I said, you know, I have some ibuprofen in my room. Would you like for me to get that? So he went with me to my room. Um, and I, first thing I did was unlock the door. The, I was on the, the ground floor, so I had sliding glass doors. Unlock the door just in case. So I can't know what happened next. He started writhing around on, he was sitting on a chair and he started shaking and these huge tremors just started coming up through his body and he started crying. And, um, I, I don't know how I did that, why. I just stood behind him. I put my hands on his shoulders and I said, just let it go, let it go. So he jerked around on the chair so much that I let him over to the bed. He fell onto the bed. He totally messed the covers. He was rolling and shaking and crying and screaming. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, holy shit, what's going on here? <laughs> so um, then he stopped. And um, he sat on the side of the bed and he was breathing real hard. And I sat beside him and I said, Tom, do you have, uh, what do you call it? Are you an epileptic? And he said, no. Oh my God. And said, you need to go to the hospital? And he said, no. He was just like in a trance. And I said, well, are you going to be okay? And he said, yes. And then he got up and left the room did he and, ever take the ibuprofen i don't think so and i'll never forget watching him walk down the hall here's this giant of a man and he's holding onto the wall as he walks down for support and just you know hmm. so what happened next i just have to interject and give you a chance to pause too that mm -hmm. i pulled up the astrology for that time you said it was february 1997 yeah. So within the longer context of Uranus and Neptune being near each other, and they were eight degrees apart at that point, that was when Jupiter 
was almost exactly conjunct Uranus. And if you remember the crazy thing about 2020 was we had Pluto and Saturn joined by Jupiter. Gosh. Anytime Jupiter joins a major planet, outer planet alignment, it goes boom, it magnifies it. And Jupiter Uranus in particular, if Neptune wasn't involved, Jupiter Uranus is often associated with like, you know, breakthroughs, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it would be Kundalini rising, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the Bodhisattva energy too. There's like the very, there can be a very mystical side to it. Yes. Yes. So very interesting within minutes of, of exact conjunct. Wow. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So anyway, to make a long story shorter, a few nights later, I saw Tom off and on. We were talking stuff. A few nights later, I woke up in the in the middle of the night and I thought I was in an earthquake and my body was shaking, just like his had shaked. My body was like something was living in my body that was roaring up my spine and into my head. And I was terrified. And the only thing I could think to do was get on the beach and run just run it out. You know, I just thought if I could just run hard enough, this will leave me. And I just ran down the beach and just until I was totally exhausted, I fell on the ground. And this is, my shit is so dramatic. (laughs) This is like the middle of the night and you just, you're like, you go down and you go to the beach and you run. <laughs> well, I was right on the beach. The, the, okay. the sliding glass was right mm. to the beach. Oh, good. Okay. And um, so I ran until, and, and then I could still feel it. It was like a little quiver. And I had that for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Off and on for three years. I had the, what I, and I began to call it running some energy. I'm running some energy today. And I had, I found out that was part of the Kundalini. It was, and um, so anyway, it's like he had given this, it's like, and the psychic said, you came together so you could experience this at this time. You made it. And trained, each of you and trained to the other. Yeah. And you. Well, and maybe if, if both, it took both of you Mm -hmm. to activate. Right. And each of you individually. Right. Because then. Well, you'll get to that. So um, was there emotional or psychic, mental fear? Parts of of this fear. Okay. I was terrified of this. I I thought about coming home. I thought Mm -hmm. about calling my husband, but I think Mm -hmm. you all had gone on a trip. Probably. And and I, I knew that you all were also dealing with the whole thing of mama and you being a teenager. And I did not want to put this on you. And and what was I going to say? Yeah, I invited a man to my room. <laughs> who, who had an right. epileptic had an epileptic fit fit and now I'm an epileptic. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, but I felt like we were in this. I always felt like this was meant to be, aside from the, the first fear, that something was happening that was meant to happen and that it was somehow going to transform us, both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't remember exactly what happened, but he would come to my room at night 
and we would work. He told me his whole life story and he had had a horrendous life. I mean, horrendous. And uh, we did shamanic journeying. I told him about yoga. It was like I was his teacher. He, he mm. didn't know any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. He said he, he used to talk. He, the, the, the statues in his Catholic church used to speak to him. Mm. Um, he, he's had mystical experiences all his life and thought he was crazy and there was mm. so and i was just kind of introducing him to all this stuff wow and uh, we didn't have the shaking again but it was like and for the next three years it was like being in in synchronicity with everything like was amazing and he he went but when he went back to work he said sometime i'll just be walking down the hall and i'll just fall to the ground because the kundalini will just hit me mm. and he found one person at his work that he could talk to about it that kind of mm. and then i had a lot of people that i could talk to but i didn't talk to many people yeah and um and then i guess two other times with him are important um i did I did a shamanic journey for him. Khan and I went <clears throat> and I asked for help for him and if an animal or some being could help him. And when I got down on the savannah, I heard this grinding noise. And uh, I looked through these trees and there was this huge armadillo. Mm. I mean, it was like elephant size mm. and it had cracks in it. And, the, and steam was coming out of the cracks. And there, there was this noise and it was like, it looked like it was in so much pain and struggling so much. And um, so when I came back and told Tom that, oh, and then I asked Khan to give me a clue about what's happening here. And he wrote pain on the sky with his. Mm. So when I came back and told Tom, he almost started crying. And he said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show you something. I don't usually show anybody. And he pulled down his, he pulled down this waistband of his pants and pulled up his shirt. And he had these horrible looking scars that looked like hands reaching for his spine. Mm. And um, then he told me the story of how, when he was real young, he had, he said, do you know who Quasimodo is? And I said, yeah, he's the hunchback of Notre Dame. He said, yeah, well, I had the same disease that he had. And the mm -hmm. only way you could get rid of it, and I've looked this up, and it's true. It, he said they put you on a, something called the rack, and they pull you apart until your spine breaks. And then he said I was in a, a full body cast for months, and I'm Catholic, so I was in a Catholic hospital. And so they didn't believe at that time to let your family and all visit you a lot. So he said the only one that visited me a lot was my grandfather. And he said, I knew when my grandfather was coming and, and my grandfather would say, you're going to get well, Tommy, we'll go down to the shore. And um, anyway, it was very moving. And so the other thing that happened was um, I was in this extended state of awareness and I decided I wanted some divination tools and I knew they had it in the, in the bookstore. So I went. And was this at the workshop still? Yeah. I went How and. How long was this workshop? 
a week. Okay. <laughs> Back when workshops were really workshops. Yeah. I feel like those those days are gone. It's all just these really quick online things. Anyway. Um anyway, I'll tell this last thing and then maybe that's enough for today. But um so I, I was in this extended state. Tom, I don't know where what do Tom you mean was. by extended state? I just felt like I was in another world yeah. where everything was connected, but I wasn't, I was floating or something. It was just really weird. It was, it was kind of frightening, but, and I, I felt like I needed to be with people. So I, I went and they had, I wanted to get some runes because I thought runes were Celtic. Mm. And, um, oh, we had had this reading by this psychic too. I guess that should be the first thing I tell, but I'll just go straight to the runes. So I, went and I, there were a bunch of runes and I pulled them down and put them in the, on the uh, floor. And uh, I was going to pick up the blue runes, but the runes with the red, in the red package, I looked at them and they have the little runes that you can see through plastic. And one of the runes was a different color than the other runes. Uh, it was darker. And I thought, I got to know what that rune is. Mm -hmm. So I took it back to the room and the room was wholeness. And I knew that it, I was finding my wholeness through this experience. Mm. And I laid the runes out on the bed. I read about wholeness. I went and took a shower and I came back. And then that rune was the same color as all the other runes. And it was like one of those moments where you're like, <gasps> what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, wow. So I knew something big was at work. Mm. And, uh, and then tell about the psychic reading. The psychic reading was, um, we each got a reading with a psychic. That was part of your fee. And so um, I went to have mine. Tom ended up leaving the workshop before it was over. He said, I just can't take this anymore. It's too, I'm feeling too much craziness. Wow. So um, he actually left early. So he never got his reading. Um, but I went for my reading and the woman was such a sweet woman. She was from some other country, beautiful caramel skin. And she was older, like maybe in her fifties. And uh, she, she talked all about my mother and she could, you know, she saw I was having a, a crisis and that I was being pulled away from what I knew into something else. And um, so right before I left, before our time was up, I said, can you tell me about my connection with a man named Tommy? So she was quiet for a long time. And she said, <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. She said, um, you, you knew him in a Nordic life. I think it was a Viking life. And um, you were either lovers or brother and sister. And he left on a ship and he never returned. You've been searching for him all you know through your lifetimes mm. and um that this is an opportunity to find find him again and so the, the the last thing that i'll say about that is i went and visited tom in uh cape may where he lived and he took we took a picnic lunch and we went to this little park and um we ate and then i was walking around the park and there was a statue and uh, the park was dedicated to uh, those that were lost at sea. Wow. Uh, so it was another one of those moments of, 
So synchronicities. Synchronicities. My life was full of synchronicities, full. And that's that's how I got back to Jesus. But I feel like I'm talking too much and telling too much uh, of details, and I'm getting kind of tired. So <laughs> can we continue this another time? We can. And actually, I was thinking that already this should be two episodes, but I love it. And I also wanted to hear about how you managed the Kundalini process. And I know that you went to holotropic breath work. Yes. Because you, and like just how, how you resolved all of that part and what you felt like you came away with. You know, like what were the takeaways? Oh yeah, there's definitely takeaways. The lasting, you know, impact or whatever, yeah, you know. Exactly. So I'll explain about a little bit about Kundalini for those that don't know, which I had no idea. Um, maybe Katie, maybe you you can add into this because you probably know. There are channels of energy that run through the body. The Shoshone, is that right? That are, is it Shoshone? Shoshone. I believe comes straight up and it's uh, it goes through the chakra system, which most people I think know about now. The -hmm. first chakra is the root. It's uh, in the perineum. It's coiled like a snake. And when it rises, the snake comes up and it goes to the, the top of the head, which is the seventh chakra that connects you to the divine. Um, there are also two other channels called the Pingala, Pingala, the Ida and the Pingala. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You are. And it goes up like two snakes. And that's where the caduceus of uh, the medical caduceus comes from. The Hermes. Hermes. The, the staff of Hermes. Yes. It's the two snakes going up. Mm-hmm. And so people who meditate and do their due diligence uh, who want to reach nirvana, the energy can rise through the shush, the shushumna, shushumna, I think. In, in a beautiful flowing way. And I've read books written by these people, and it is a delicious and incredibly wonderful experience. Mm. If if the the energy is pushed up the ida and the pingala. It can be pushed up by extreme stress, which I was having with my mother. I felt like I was losing a whole chunk of myself. Um, Menopause, uh, doing anything that takes you out of reality, like the the guy with the holotropic breath work asked me that. Are you doing anything like shamanic work, yoga? (laughs) And, um, And then... What was one of the other things? Oh, childbirth. You can have it oh, during childbirth. Right. So like uh, uh, Christina Stanislav Groff, who actually came up with a lot, wrote the first one of the first books on that. She started having these things during childbirth. Mm. Um, so that's what was happening to me. It was coming up through the the, Eda the, and the side book. channels. I didn't know that that was a. I didn't realize that the reason it gets hard. And what it does is it can wreak havoc in your body and your energy system if it's forced, because it's meant to come up the middle channel. So mm. what I got from this was I had been a dilettante dabbling in shamanism. I should have gone and done the rest of the workshops for the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, which would have taken me slowly down that path. I would have had to collect a medicine bag and do all the things that you're supposed to do 
and I didn't. Which These is my kind of like rituals of uh, they're like rites of passage initiation. as well as yeah. But true to my nature, I just took one workshop and then I started doing it for friends, travel, doing it for myself, and you know, writing stories about calm and all. Well, isn't that uncommon? I'll say <laughs> right, right. not uncommon. <laughs> so uh, you know. I, I, this is something I do in my life. I get on something, I'm excited, and then I just jump in. I, it's my Aries rising, I guess. I don't, I don't follow the path. I don't go slowly and learn and gather uh, things that I should, which may be fine. It all may be good, but I figured that was probably what was happening. Mm. Also, um, I did something with the Maori cards not sure that's how you pronounce it. Mary cards, Mary cards. When I went to Holt Tropic Breathwork and he said, draw the cards that you feel like are you. And when he looked at them, I had drawn all cards that were like, everything was scattered. Nothing was, mm. nothing was coming together with a point or having a center. Mm. And he talked about how my energy had just, something had just scattered it. Mm. And I'm sure it was losing my mother and father and, and, you know, being stressed out all the time. So a lot of those things were working. And uh, so you learned most of this at the holotropic breathwork workshop. Yeah. That, yes. That's when a I really great resource from, to have. Wonderful. When yeah. I came home from the workshop, Richard and Larkin were still on their uh, snow trip. So I was here by myself. I was running around the house crying and asking, please help me. And um, somebody had told me, maybe it was the woman I met at, at the workshop to look in common boundary magazine and look for the workshop uh, for the work by Stanislav and Christina Groff. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to have, I used to have common boundary. I used to get it. So I went and started looking through these books and I found it and I read the, the article. And then it said that there was a hotline you could call a Kundalini hotline. Can you believe that? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I call that sucker <laughs> in the middle of the night, and somebody answered. So when? Wow. So let me just amazing. Yeah. So the workshop, all this crazy stuff happened at the workshop in Virginia Beach. Yes. February nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. And were did you talk to anybody there about what was happening? How uh, did you finally say like, oh, this is Kundalini? Not till I called the, the whole holotropic breath well not until i read the article they named it oh so you didn't talk to anyone in virginia beach about no who helped you understand what was going on i didn't yeah. know you just came home and found somebody found the magazine somebody had told me to look for the magazine i think it was the woman that i had gone to dinner with several times up there <laughs> and um because I did tell her what was going on. I did tell her at the end, right before we both parted ways. She said, what's going on with you and Tom? You seem like you're always in some deep conversation. And I, I you have I, no idea. So I kind of told her and she said, go look. That sounds like something okay, that was my question. in Common Boundary. Yeah. Go look it up. Mm. Um, so at the end of the article, it talked about kundalini and it and they called they called it spiritual emergence or emergency mm, yes. if it just came up the middle channel it was emergence if it came up the side channels it was emergency because usually it threw you into some state yeah so i called the 
the uh, hotline, they answered. I, I asked, is there anything that can help me? And, and they said, um, yes, there's a, a holotropic breath work, which Christina and Stanislav Prof had created, can help you. And I said, is there anyone near Virginia? And they said, yes, there's one in Maryland. So I called them in the middle of the night and they answered. <laughs> Amazing. This is before things were outsourced to other parts of the world where they could answer 24 yeah. hours a day and People be during their daylight. This is someone actually in the middle of the night answering yes. the phone. Yes, and this little guy, and he was just like on for whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he said, yes, and we're having a workshop uh, a few weeks from now. So I signed up and uh, that's the next part of the story. Thank you. This was this was uh, an earful. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no, I think glad, that I'm glad to have you know to have you tell, share this story. I think it's really unique and you know extraordinary. It is. And I know you've you have written about your experience, both mm -hmm. you know true to form, but then also like kind of based on. Yeah, I tried to You've write it as, some... a, as a book, a, a, a non-fiction book. Yeah. yeah, based on that. Yeah. So, but I think it's, you know. I mean, I think that people, for people other people are having these experiences. Right. What I understand is they're more common. Yeah, and a lot of them end up in the loony bin. That's a lot of them end up in the loony bin. In in the Groff and Stanislav book, there's there, are, well, there are many other books that literally jumped off the shelves and were given to me during that time mm -hmm. and most of them in the back they have uh this is if you're crazy this is kundalini <laughs> and so oh so well what are some of the criteria that they they had Let's see if i can remember well if you're hearing voices that are telling you to kill yourself or hurt mm -hmm. other people or all you probably need to go see a mental person but the schizophrenia yeah but if you you're hearing voices that, you know, somehow work into this journey you're having, then it mm -hmm. could be Kundalini. Um, mm -hmm. They talk about the energy in the body. Um, what path does it follow? And it usually just comes straight up. Mm. I can't remember many others, but I have the books. I can look at them. There's one woman in particular, and I've done, uh, I've done uh, workshops online with her and other people who have experienced Kundalini and I'm blanking on her name right now. She wrote one of the best books ever that I, that really helped me. And this, this whole Tropic Breathwork place, oh my gosh, he had everything. He had library videos and it wasn't just on, on uh, Kundalini. It was like a woman who's there who was trying to reach her child who had died and different people who had been through traumatic stuff came there mm -hmm. and um, he had everything that you could want. Amazing. He had like on the beds were teddy bears and stuffed animals that you could, and he had a, a massage therapist was on on site. It was an amazing place. Mm. So, and so then you said for three years mm -hmm. you were having the shaking and different things, and so that would have mm -hmm. taken us to two thousand. Mm hmm which was a year before the end of that conjunction. Yeah. Wow. 
the year Mama had. Then we had 9 11 in 2001. So, when did, did Grandma passing have any coincidence with your Kundalini? I think it was ma mainly really less and not, not happening as much then. Um, and, you know, there were times when I thought, well, maybe this is just my connection with her, that she's out there, you know, mm -hmm. stumbling around in her mind. Maybe that's just, I'm just being with her or something, but I don't think that was. What year did she die? 2000. Okay. On All Saints Day. Mm -hmm. And how did, how did it end? Did it just kind of fade away? Faded away. I just stopped having the shaking but I was shaking so badly. The first time I went to holotropic breath work, I could not sit in a chair. I had to walk all the time while I was telling them while, while I was telling the people while I was there, I was pacing. Okay. <laughs> so, wow. And it wasn't always that bad, but any kind of new situation would activate it. Yeah. And I, the thing is, is that like, I feel like there was all this mystique around Kundalini rising, like before it became more common and people sort of thought that you were on your way to enlightenment right. at the end of it. And that afterwards that you would have this radically different state of consciousness. Right. Right. And like, I found that like, I didn't have the Trump, the traumatic, and I yeah. certainly didn't have an extended experience. Mm -hmm. Like mine was in the middle of a trauma, totally God. triggered by a health crisis and a trauma yeah. and a nervous breakdown and all this yeah. stuff. But the actual Kundalini rising itself, um, it was not traumatic. It was not physically traumatic. It was not psychologically traumatic. It was like, it ended up like there was like this amazing expanded altered state of consciousness. And I felt like I was sort of like a Buddha for a little while. Uh -huh. yes. And then, and then it ended. And then there was a little sort of like a tailing off period when I was still sort of altered and stuff, but it, none of it was traumatic. And then when it was done, it was just done. Yeah. And I felt like I came back down to earth and I was the same, like almost <laughs> the same person I had been uh -huh. yeah. a few changes, but I didn't have that feeling of like, ah, yeah. now I'm enlightened. Right. <laughs> yes. And so I felt disappointed or I not disappointed. I felt I worried that I had missed an opportunity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I had, you know, blown, blown it, you know, my one window. Yeah. I did, you know, I didn't. And I, you know, I've since I have a very different perspective on it now. Yes. Yeah. I feel like it was, it was a wave. It was a wave in the of development of my consciousness. But it is not, it completely was not the developmental process that I expected it to be, uh -huh. Uh -huh. right? And it sounds like that was how it went for you too. This was not, right. you know, <laughs> in the books, at least the old books. Yeah. You know, because it is in the old books. It's in the old yoga mm -hmm. teachings. Yeah. The yoga teachings. Yeah. Well, it it's just funny to me because, like, I don't even know when I first found out about your experience but mm -hmm. as I grew up and got more into all the spiritual stuff and it actually next month will be a decade since I did my first yoga teacher training at Kripalu and mm -hmm. 
in that whole world, it was almost like Kundalini rising was like what people were like coveting, aspiring to, and like really though, like yeah, really. And and then when I found out about your experience, it was like oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my mom's had Kundalini, she's so cool. And then it was like yeah. oh, maybe right. not, maybe this isn't like. You know, and that it, it's interesting because I think for me, that was a shift to like, no, I'm happy just being like here mm-hmm. and grounded yes, yes, on the yes, earth, yes, yes, you yes. know, and I'm yeah. not going to strive after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's And it. I think, yeah, I think that's the thing is that like, uh, you know, the, the, the insight about what the things that can trigger it you know, that trauma can trigger it and like stress and crisis and stuff, you know, and that should be an insight into, you know, that this isn't always, this is definitely not something you want to push. Right. Yeah. Like to force. Right. No, bad idea. Bad idea. Cause it's like so intense. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not if the rest of your container isn't like all lined up with it, you know, it's like destructive. very destructive well like i say i have read books from people who did it up the middle channel and they Mm -hmm. had wonderful you know some wonderful experiences and Mm -hmm. but a lot of the people that i've read and seen on this uh online with with the group were they were had very bad experiences and Mm -hmm. i won't say mine is bad i had moments of elation and and connection but um yeah and and i think i think the the thought you mentioned about thinking you're cool because that was part of my shamanic thing i thought it was so cool that i was doing the shamanic stuff you know and and instead of just doing really doing the shamanic stuff i was out there look at me i'm doing this i mean i wasn't totally like that i also had a a you were just enjoying it you were like having fun I had a deep yearning to help people and to understand what the heck is all this life about, you know? Um, and, and then reading about how people wanted to have the Kundalini experience, I was like, no, you don't. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the yeah. Gopi Krishna books, have you? I didn't read them, but of course I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he was an, an Indian guy who longed for, and work toward having the kundalini and he he had a lot of a lot of strange things that were not good happen to him mm-hmm. um but he also had moments of so yeah the lesson is very much be where you are you know and that's why what's his name that that does such wonderful work that you did a workshop with recently he was in Sedona and you did something with him. He's very popular right now. Anyway, one of the things- Why can't I remember? One okay. of the things he talks about, he talks about going into the state where you're nobody, no thing, mm-hmm. and then creating what you want. And one of the things- Oh, Joe Dispenza. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. One of the things he says yeah. you can go for, you can ask for is spiritual experiences. And to me, it's like, no, you don't want to ask. You know, it's like, and money and the right job, which is all fine. But why is he using the spiritual thing to get to those things instead of right. 
making the world a better place. Yeah. And being grounded in who you are, the authentic self. Being in the, being in the middle of your experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, going more deeply into that. Yeah. Like that will eventually yield all of these things. Yes. Meeting like all of these experiences will come from that, but they'll happen in the right time. You know, when you're ready and with all the supports around you and it'll right. all make sense. You know? Yeah. So the whole and you'll be able to hang on to it. It's yeah. like it was if so ephemeral for me. It's like I couldn't, it's like mm-hmm. I couldn't hang on to it. I right. was so not ready. <laughs> yeah. So it's like what you said, don't push it. You know, don't don't have that as your goal. You know, that is not yeah. who you are. That is an experience that you think is gonna be some, make you this spiritual person, but it's not. Right, <laughs> right. Like the work of being spiritual, I feel like the majority of it is like a lot less glamorous than people yes. want. Yeah. The day to day, like practicing loving kindness. Yes, exactly. To yourself and everyone you meet, dude, that is the hardest thing. I swear. Yeah. It is. And if you can't do that, like your spiritual experiences, if you get them, they will, they will hurt you. Yeah. So it's it's lots of lessons in there. And that's one reason I, I really don't want to have a book and be out there talking about it. I'm just over it. I'm not, I'm not interested. I, I want to be who I am in the moment. Enjoy your life. Enjoy my life. And like you said, as much as I can, practicing loving kindness and connecting with the earth and all that. Well... I mean, I guess to be a devil's advocate, I would say, and also that was where you were at. Yeah, true. At that time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and looking at it through the lens of astrology and realizing that we were part of, you were on a cultural wave. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were on. Yes. You know, you were one of the people up, you know, like, yeah, doing that. And it's... It's the thing that I, I mean, I think it's still playing, you know, the results of it, the fruits Absolutely. Yeah. of that are still coming in to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to happen, I feel like, for whatever yeah. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't regret any of my my experiences i just i regret the thoughts i had about things around it you know the beliefs right some of the beliefs they were very unhelpful and you know like along the lines of like oh that was my one chance for enlightenment and i blew it you know like that's crazy (laughs) that's completely insane you know and like the guilt and the like yeah you know like all that like stuff that you carry you know afterwards yeah think that that's <laughs> well well this has this... been great because it's made me remember so many things that I hadn't thought about in a while and yeah Pretty thank cool. you for coming and sharing your stories yeah it's fun for me wow. thank you for having me on mm-hmm. appreciate it Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. Thank you. See you next time.